Let God transform your life as you listen to this inspiring sermon by Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb. It was dark outside when our plane landed in Taipei, Taiwan. I was only 11 years old at the time, but I remember being excited about landing in this ancient Chinese city. I'd never been out of my homeland of the United States before, and I didn't know anything about Taiwan. I didn't speak Chinese. I didn't know my way around the city, and I didn't know where we were going when we landed. However, I wasn't worried because of one simple truth. I was with my father. He knew all the details of where we were to stay and how we were to get there. He had our plans under control. So when we landed at the airport, there were two cars that came to pick my family and I along with our luggage. One car couldn't contain all of us, so I was assigned to ride in the car with the luggage while my parents and sisters rode in the other car. Since my dad knew where we were going, his car took the lead. I rode in the car behind with a Chinese driver. But unfortunately for me, somewhere along the way, my driver lost sight of my father's car. The driver turned to me and started speaking Chinese. I looked at him with my mouth open, and all I could do was shake my head. He was trying to ask me where we were going, but I had no idea where we were going. I didn't speak the language. I didn't know the road. I'd never been to that nation, and I was completely lost. And suddenly, my excitement about being in a new place turned to terror. I had no idea where I was going or when my journey would end. Simply put, I didn't know what to do. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt unsure about where you were headed or how you would get there or what would happen in life? Uncertainty can hit us at any time but it can be especially strong at a time like this, when the world is in the grip of the COVID-19 pandemic. Maybe you had big plans for 2020, but now you've lost your way. Perhaps you're watching today and you're facing uncertainty about a decision or a direction in life or your finances, and you just don't know what to do. The pandemic has left businesses shuttered, families separated, and lives on hold. You don't know if you should stay at home or open your shop. You don't know if your job is secure or you'll be laid off. You don't know if you should keep holding on to your plans or postpone your wedding. You don't know if you'll be able to travel or not, and the uncertainty has made you feel so stressed and fearful and anxious. It can even paralyze you so that you end up doing nothing. But I have good news for you today. When you don't know what to do, God has an answer for you. He can lead you through the darkest storm and guide you to success when you trust in him. That's the message in today's sermon. We're going to discover the amazing truth that will show you what to do when you don't know what to do. But before we go further, let's bow our heads and pray together. Almighty and everlasting Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, that you hold our lives in your hand. When we are uncertain, you are certain. When we don't know what to do, you have the wisdom and the knowledge to guide us. So we come to surrender to you today and ask you to speak to our hearts by the power of your Holy Spirit. I submit to you now, I bind every voice of the enemy that would come to deceive or disturb or distract us. And in the name of the Lord Jesus, I loose the power 
of the Holy Spirit, the power to enlighten our minds, the power to soften our hearts, and the power to guide our footsteps for your glory. We thank you by faith now in Jesus' name, and everybody said amen and amen. I want to invite you to join your faith with mine right now. Go ahead and put your hand on your chest and say after me, Lord Jesus, speak to my heart, change my life, Manifest your glory in me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Agape House Online. It's so great to have you joining me today as we begin a new sermon series titled, What to Do When You Don't Know What to Do. Over the next few weeks, we're going to take a look at some common experiences that can leave you feeling uncertain about your next step, a sudden storm, a change of plans, or an urgent and unmet need. And as we look at these topics during this series, we're going to learn that God has answers for these and every other situation you face in these challenging times. For the truth is, God's Word has the answers you need. If you believe it, lift your hand and say, Amen. So let's go to the Bible today and find out the three things to do when you don't know what to do. Now, to help us learn the truth today, we've prepared sermon notes to guide us. The notes are available for free download on our website at agapehousegana.org and on our Facebook page at Agape House New Testament Church. I invite you to download the notes and follow along with me as we discover the truth today. Our scripture text is taken from the Old Testament in 2 Chronicles 20, verses 6 and 12. It's the story of the nation of Israel and what happened when they faced one of their most difficult battles. And our story begins when they didn't know what to do. So their king, a man named Jehoshaphat, prayed to God. Now receive the word of the Lord from 2 Chronicles 20, verses 6 and 12. King Jehoshaphat prayed, O Lord God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are the ruler of the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty. No one can stand against you. Oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. May the Lord bless the reading of his word to your heart today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Our story begins with the nation of Judah facing a terrible threat. Enemy nations had come out to attack Israel, and the people were terrified. And to make matters worse, there was no warning that this disaster was on the horizon. In the chapter before this one, the Bible says that Israel was at peace and prospering. It was a period of progress in Judah, and everything seemed fine. Just like we started this year, everything looked normal. But suddenly and without warning, a threat came up on the horizon. There was no provocation, no cause for war, but all of a sudden, enemy nations marched against Judah. And the Bible says the king was terrified. The people gathered together to pray and seek the Lord, for this was no idle threat. This was no passing tempest in a teacup. This was serious. Their very existence as a nation was at stake. The situation looked hopeless. And King Jehoshaphat prays, Lord, we don't know what to do. We can only look to you. And in that desperate prayer, we learn our first truth today. When you don't know what to do, the first thing you must do is stay close to God. 
You see, the first thing King Jehoshaphat did was come to God and cry to him for help. He gathered the nation together to pray. They didn't look to their own strength. They didn't look to their own ability. They confessed their own weakness, and they acknowledged that only God had the power to deliver them. Listen again to their prayer in verse 12. We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. And in their simple cry for help, we see the first thing we all need to do right now. We all need to admit our need for God. In the face of the coronavirus pandemic, we need to humble ourselves and confess that we simply don't know what to do. We need to ask God for his divine intervention. But friends, the simple fact is this. We are powerless to stop the coronavirus. We are powerless to stop the economic ruin resulting from the lockdown. We are powerless to control the situation, and we can only survive if we get close to the Almighty. That's what God is telling us right now in this time in history. You see, this pandemic has revealed the utter weakness of humanity. A tiny virus so small you can't see it with the naked eye has brought the world to a standstill. And in that fact, we must acknowledge a greater truth. God is reminding us of our weakness and limitations as humans. He's reminding us that he is God and we are not. He is the creator and we are the creation. He is the ruler of the universe and we are his servants. And when we forget God, and think we control our own fate and future, then he steps in to remind us that we are frail and weak and powerless without him. That's what has happened all through history. When people begin to forget God and turn to their own ways, he steps in to remind us that we are limited in our power and ability. He is God and we are not. And that's what's happening today. Man has grown so proud and boastful of his abilities. We have technology and medicine. Mankind has progressed so far that we've forgotten God. But God has stopped the world to get our attention to remind us that he is God and we are not. This is not the first time in history this has happened. What we're passing through right now in the world has happened before. Listen to another time in history when this happened, the Bible records in 2 Chronicles 15, verses 3 and 5 to 6. For a long time, Israel was without the true God, without a priest to teach them, and without the law to instruct them. During those dark days, it was not safe to travel. Problems troubled the people of every land. Nation fought against nation and city against city, for God was troubling them with every kind of problem. Think about what the Bible is saying. A long time ago, man had forgotten God. Man had lost his way, and it led to distress. Travel was halted, and that's what we face today. Today, travel is halted. Airports are shut. Borders are closed. In those days, turmoil abounded. Nations were being crushed. And today, there is no nation on earth that is not affected by the coronavirus. Every nation has been impacted in one way or the other. In those days, God troubled people with every kind of distress. But listen to verse 4 of this chapter. But whenever they were in trouble and turned to the Lord, the God of Israel, and sought him, they found him. So here's the good news. When God's people turn to God and acknowledge him and seek him, God comes near again and he is found by us. Because here's the principle we all need to live by in this day and age. It's found in verse 2. The Lord is with you 
when you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. In other words, when you stay close to God, then he will stay close to you. And it's the same for us today. In seasons of distress, stay close to God. In times of turmoil, stay close to God. When you don't know what to do, stay close to God. God is calling you today to stay close to him in these uncertain times. He's the only certainty you can depend on. He is the only rock you can cling to. He's the only power that can deliver you, for he is God and you are not. That's why David said in Psalm 86, 8 to 10, My Lord, there is no God like you. No one can do what you've done. My Lord, you made everyone. You are great and do amazing things. You and you alone are God. And when you acknowledge that, you will stay close to God. When you truly believe that he alone is in control, then you will put your life and your future in his hands and surrender control to him. When you do that, you will have peace. That's why Jesus taught us not to worry, but to trust in God. Listen to his words in Luke 12, 22 to 26. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food to eat or enough clothes to wear. For life is more than food and your body more than clothing. Look at the ravens. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for God feeds them. And you are far more valuable to him than any bird's. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And if your worry can't accomplish a little thing like that, what's the use of worrying over bigger things? In other words, your worry doesn't give you control. It only gives you a sleepless night. Your worry can't change anything. Only God is in control. And when you trust in him and stay near to him, he will take care of you. For the only way you can have peace in the storm is when you stay close to the one who controls the storm. Once there was an airplane flying from Ghana to the UK when it encountered a terrible storm up in the sky. The wind was blowing and the plane started shaking. Rain was falling heavily and beating the plane and the plane was going up and down, up and down. Well, it's no surprise that the passengers were very frightened. People started praying while others were shaking in fear. But there was one little girl, about 10 years of age, who sat calmly all through the storm. She seemed unmoved by any of the bumps and noises. And when everyone around her was frightened and shouting, she was cool and calm. Finally, an elderly lady leaned forward and spoke to the young girl. My dear... Aren't you afraid of this storm? How is it that you can be so calm when all the rest of us are so worried about what might happen? Then the little girl just smiled and said, Oh, don't you know, my father is the pilot. He's the one flying the plane. And he told me not to worry. My father told me he would get me to my destination safely. See, when you have a relationship with the one in control, then you have peace. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you today. When you know Jesus, you know peace. But if there's no Jesus, there is no peace. Friends, your heavenly father is the pilot. He controls the storm. He controls all things. The entire world is in his hands. And when you put your life in his hands, you will be at peace. For peace comes when you stay close to the one in control.
When you think about it, you'll realize that this is why so many people today are fearful and worried. We're fearful and worried because we're not in control of what's happening. And anxiety comes when you're not in control. Stress comes from when we try to keep control, but we're in a situation that is out of our control. The funny thing is, this pandemic has only exposed the truth. None of us have control. Before the pandemic, you just thought you had control over your life. But God is reminding us all that we don't have control. He does. Anytime you're in a situation where you don't have control, it produces stress. Why do we get so stressed when we get caught up and stuck in a traffic jam? Because we've lost control and we can't make things happen, so we lose peace. Why do we get so stressed out when someone else behaves badly? Because we're not in control, we can't make them do what we want, and we're not able to rest. That's why so many people get anxious on an airplane. They can't control the situation, so they feel fearful and upset. You don't have control, you don't have peace. Reminds me of the time I was flying from Ghana to the U.S., and we hit a very bad storm, just like the story I just told you. The plane started bouncing up and down and shifting from side to side, and everybody on the plane was shaking and worried. I happened to glance over, and I saw one lady grabbing the armrest at her seat and holding on to it for dear life. She was holding onto the armrest as if it would save her. Friends, I have news for you. If the plane goes down, then the armrest you're holding onto is going down also. Hanging onto the armrest in the airplane won't save you if the airplane crashes. But isn't that how most of us live our lives? We cling to something weak. We cling to something temporary. We cling to something as if it can save us. We hold on to the temporal things of this life as if they will keep us through the storm. But what you need to realize today is this. You are not in control. You don't control your future. You don't control the pandemic. You don't control the government. You don't control their decisions. You don't control what other people do. You don't control the economy or the circumstances of of your own life. Today, even the wealthy are not in control. Even the powerful are not in control. Even the greatest nations on earth are not in control. The pandemic is striking rich nations and poor nations, and no army on earth has been able to prevent coronavirus from spreading. Oh, nations have closed their borders. Presidents have ordered people to lock down. Governments are spending billions of dollars on equipment and medicine and hospitals, and those are good things to do. I'm not preaching against any of that, but I'm saying no matter who you are and no matter what you do, man is not in control. We don't control nature. We don't control our future. And the first thing we need to do is get close to the one who controls all things. We need to acknowledge that God is God and we are not. We need to humble ourselves and surrender to him. That's why the Bible says in James 4, 13 to 16, look here, you who say, today or tomorrow we are going to a certain town and we will stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you are boasting about your own pretentious plans, and all such boasting is evil. You can make your plans, but only God determines the future. 
You can prepare for trouble, but only God can keep you from evil. And if you depend on your own power, and if you believe you can control your future, you are rejecting God. What you need to do is to stay close to God. You have to surrender control to him and say, Lord, my life is in your hands. You can only stay close to God when you let him have control. You can only stay close to God when you put your trust in him. And that brings us to our second step today. When you don't know what to do, you need to stand in faith. Our story of King Jehoshaphat continues in 2 Chronicles 20, verse 20. Listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be able to stand firm. Believe in his prophets, and you will succeed. So the first thing the people of Judah did was to stay close to God. They acknowledged that he alone was God and that they were helpless. They didn't rely on their own strength or planning. They cried out to God for help, but they didn't stop there. After turning to God and looking to him, the people of Judah took the next step forward. They put their trust in God and they stood in faith. Listen again to the king's words in verse 20. Believe in the Lord your God and you will be able to to stand firm. And in his command, there's a powerful lesson for all of us. You see, faith in God gives you the ability to stand, even in the face of fear. When the enemy comes against you, you can stand when you put your faith in God. And this same command comes to all of us today. Jesus said it like this in Mark 11, 22 to 24. Then Jesus said to the disciples, have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. In the face of the mountain, stand by faith. In the face of an assault by Satan, stand in faith. In the face of fear and depression and even death, stand in faith and you will see God move. That's the powerful lesson we can all learn from the true story of a man in the United States named Anthony Yale. In August 2013, Anthony Yale was rushed to Kettering Medical Center in Dayton, Ohio, USA, with a heart problem. At first, the doctors thought they could help Anthony, and they admitted him to the ward. But then, later that day, Anthony Yale's heart stopped. Dr. Raja Nazir and his team worked feverishly to revive him, but all their efforts fell short. For 45 minutes, they did their best to bring his heartbeat back. But after 45 minutes without any heartbeat, the doctor in charge realized it was time to pronounce Anthony dead. But when the news reached Anthony's 17-year-old son, Lawrence, that his father had died, he refused to accept the news. The Yales are Christians, and their family and their church had been praying. So 17-year-old Lawrence ran down the corridor of the hospital to where his father lay dead. And when he saw his father lying there dead, Lawrence pointed at his dad and said, Dad, you're not going to die today. And when Lawrence stood in faith, God did the impossible. Suddenly, Anthony's heart started beating again. At first, it was faint, but then it got stronger and stronger. Today, Anthony is strong and healthy and back at work. His life is a testimony to the power of God when someone stood in faith. I'm calling it a miracle, Dr. Nazir said. I've never seen anything like it. 
And friends, anything is possible when you stand in faith because anything is possible with God. No matter what battle you face, nothing is too hard for God. That's what he himself says in Jeremiah 32, 27. I am the Lord, the God of all the peoples of the world. Is anything too hard for me? You see, we serve a great and mighty God. He created all things. The one who formed the eye knows how to heal it. The one who created the ear knows how to fix it. The one who gave you a heart and a life knows how to make it work. Our almighty God knows all and sees all. There's nothing too hard for him. There's no problem he can't solve if only you'll stand in faith. Listen to Isaiah 40 verse 12. Who measured the oceans in the palm of his hand? Who used his hand to measure the sky? Who used a bowl to measure all the dust of the earth? Who used scales to measure the mountains and hills? The span of God's hand can measure the universe. If you fly from Ghana to the U.S., it will take you 10 hours on a very big plane. If you want to travel by plane to the moon, it would take you 19 days. If you travel to the sun by airplane, it would take you more than 21 years. If you don't want to fly and you decided to drive to the sun, it would take you more than 200 years. Of course, if you're a trotro driver, maybe 150. But that's just our sun and moon. If you want to go to the next star, it would take you 51 billion years by airplane to reach the next closest star. But God's hand is greater than the entire universe. There's nothing too hard for him. There's nothing too big for him. He's the only reliable, sure foundation for you to depend upon. That's why you need to stand in faith. See, friends, here's the fact. God is not surprised by any situation you're facing today. He's not caught off guard by the pandemic. He's not caught surprised when the enemy comes to attack you. In fact, the Bible says in Psalm 34, 19, the righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to the rescue each time. The fact is, we're going to face many troubles. Trials and opposition will come. But the rest of the verse tells us the Lord will rescue us every single time. And in that fact, you can take great comfort today. See, your progress this year is not based on the pandemic. Your progress this year is not based on circumstances. In spite of all that's happening in the world, in spite of the problems, God can revive your business. He can accelerate your impact. He can still move you forward in 2020. And no matter the opposition, you will keep moving forward this year because your progress is based on the Lord who never fails, not on your circumstances. Listen, friends, the very fact that the enemy is fighting against you should give you courage today. See, if you're not a threat to the enemy's kingdom, he would leave you alone. He wouldn't bother to attack you if you didn't pose a challenge to him. But in fact, the devil knows what you can do in the hands of God. Of course there will be enemies in life. Of course there will be opposition in the way. You will always have the Moabites and the Ammonites and the Munites and all kinds of ites attacking you. But when you depend on God, you will always have victory. That's why the battle is good for us. Even this time of trial on earth is good for God's people because it's making us depend on the Lord. If you never face temptation, 
you won't know the power of God to deliver you. If you never battle sickness, you won't know the power of God to heal you. If you never have opposition, you won't know his mighty power when we stand in faith. And sometimes you have to be desperate in order to move forward. That's what the Spanish army learned in the year 1519. On April 21st of that year, the Spanish explorer Hernando Cortez sailed into the harbor of Veracruz, Mexico. He'd come from Spain across the ocean to Mexico with 11 boats under his command. Those ships carried all his soldiers and all the supplies that would see him through his dangerous mission. His goal was to conquer the mighty Aztec Empire and colonize Mexico for Spain. The task looked almost impossible. Cortez had brought with him only about 600 men, but they faced tens of thousands of enemy soldiers. And not only that, but two previous expeditions from Spain had failed to win any territory at all in the Aztec Empire of Mexico. Yet surprisingly, over the next two years, his vastly outnumbered forces were able to defeat King Montezuma and all the warriors of the Aztec Empire. Cortes was the conqueror of Mexico. How was this incredible feat accomplished? Well, here's the secret. Cortes knew from the very beginning that he and his men faced incredible opposition. He knew that the road before them would be dangerous and difficult. He knew that his men would be tempted to abandon their battle and return to Spain. And so, as soon as Cortez and his men had come ashore and offloaded their provisions from the boats, he ordered their entire fleet of 11 ships destroyed. Cortez burned all his boats in the bay while his men stood on the shore and watched their only possibility of retreat sank into the ocean. And from that point on, they knew beyond any doubt there was no return, no turning back. Nothing lay behind them but empty ocean. Their only option was to go forward, to conquer or die. And they conquered the land because there was no other option. And that's how it is for us. God is allowing us this year to be in a place where there's no escape. He's allowed an enemy to march against us. And it seems as if we are outnumbered. But know for a fact today that God, in this period of trial, is calling us to depend on him. He's calling us to stand in faith. So hear the word of the Lord to you today. God is taking away the familiar and comfortable things from you right now. He's removing your escape route so that you have nowhere to go but to him. He's burning the ships behind you so that you will stand in faith and conquer in his name. At first, it seems devastating, but don't be discouraged. God is taking away anything you depend upon other than him. He's moving you out into new realms, not because he doesn't love you, but because he does. He's taking away the familiar, the comfortable, and the easy, and placing you in a position where you have to rely on him and him alone. And that will leave you with only one option to go forward this year, to depend on God. He's our only hope our only strength, but when we stand in faith, we are guaranteed his help. 
That's why David wrote in Psalm 34, 4 to 7, I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. He freed me from all my fears. Those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. In my desperation, I prayed and the Lord listened. He saved me from all my troubles for the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. And I guarantee you today, when you depend on God, you will end up with joy. When you pray and cry out to God, you will end up without any shadow of shame. For faith takes control over your life, out of the hands of the enemy, and out of the hands of circumstances, and puts control into the hands of God. Faith places your future and your fate in the hands of the God who never fails. And that's why you can praise him today. That's why you can praise God right now, no matter what you're going through, no matter how you feel. And that brings us to the third thing to do when you don't know what to do, start to praise. You see, when you stand in faith, then you will start to praise. For the fact is, praise is the language of faith. And that's what happened in our scripture text for today. Our story comes to an amazing conclusion. Listen to verses 21 and 22. The king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. This is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. At that very moment, they started to sing and give praise. The Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. In other words, when God's people got close to him, he promised them victory. When they stood in faith, they marched forward, not with weapons of swords, but with weapons of praise. And as they did, their enemies were defeated. Their enemies started fighting among themselves the moment the people of God started to praise. And every single enemy was defeated. Verse 24 says, not a single one of the enemy escaped. See, when you start to praise God, the enemy flees because praise brings the the presence of God into your midst. Psalm 22, 3 says, you are holy, O you who inhabits the praises of Israel. And when you start to praise and the presence of God comes down, the devil has to flee. He can't stand in the presence of God. The enemy can't stand where worship exists. And that's what happened to Israel. When God's people praised him on the battlefield, their enemy was defeated and God turned the battlefield into a blessing. Listen to how the story ends today. In verses 25 and 26, the Bible tells us King Jehoshaphat and his men went out to gather the plunder. They found vast amounts of equipment and clothing and other valuables, more than they could carry. There was so much plunder that it took them three days just to collect it all. On the fourth day, they gathered in the Valley of Blessing. Everybody say Valley of Blessing, which got its name that day because the people praised and thanked the Lord there. It is still called the valley of blessing today. And the same thing will happen in your life. Your battleground becomes a valley of blessing when you start to praise. 
So here's what you need to do right now. Start to praise God. Start giving God praise right where you are. Lift your hands and lift your voice and praise him. When the devil comes against you, start to praise. Because you see, my praise is a weapon. My praise is a sword against Satan. I don't need anointing oil to defeat the enemy. I've got my praise. I don't need a special prayer from a prophet. I've got my praise. I don't need some special object. I just need to give God special praise. Even when things look bleak, I'm going to give God my praise praise. Even in the midst of a pandemic, I'm going to praise my God. Even when I don't know what to do, I'm going to praise my God. For the Bible tells me in Habakkuk 3, 17 and 19, even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. So devil, you better back off because your attacks are going to backfire. Every time you try to back me into corner, I'm coming back at you with praise. I'm not going to back down. I'm not going to backtrack. I'm going to back up my faith with praise. I'm coming back with praise. Somebody shout, I'm coming back with praise. When the enemy attacks me, I'm coming back with praise. When haters criticize me, I'm coming back with praise. When depression tries to pull me down, I'm coming back with praise. When the devil lies to me and tells me, you won't make it, I'm coming back with praise. When doubt clouds my mind and fear hits my heart, I'm coming back with praise. Somebody shout, I'm coming back with praise. For when I stay close to God, He stays close to me. And when I stand in faith, He stands by me. And when I start to praise, His presence comes down. He defeats the enemy and makes a way for me. He turns my battlefield into a valley of blessing when I start to praise. Do you remember my adventure in Taipei, Taiwan? I told you about the story at the beginning of my sermon. When I was a child, lost in a strange city late at night. I couldn't speak the language. I didn't know where to go, and I didn't know what to do. But my story didn't end there. You see, what I didn't know that night was that my father was watching out for me. As we drove through the dark streets, lost and confused, suddenly a miracle took place. I saw my dad's car. My father had stopped at a junction and he was waiting for me and waving at me and suddenly we were reunited and when I got close to my father, he led me safely to our destination. And so it is for you today. You may have lost sight of your heavenly father, but your heavenly father has not lost sight of you. You may be uncertain, but God is never uncertain. You may not know what to do, but God always knows what to do. And when you look to him and trust in him, he will show up. He will lead you on. He'll carry you home. He will. That's who he is. That's what he does. That's how it works. So stay close to God. Stand in faith and start to praise. For that's what to do when you don't know what to do. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I lift up each and every one listening or watching today, and I pray that your Holy Spirit will come upon us right now. We acknowledge and confess you are God, we are not. You are the creator, we are your creation. 
we humble ourselves today and say we are helpless against the problems of life. We don't know what to do. We're not in control. But we give control to you. For in your hands is all the power of the universe. In your hands is everything we need. So we cede and surrender and yield control of our lives, our future, and our today into your hands. Take us, Lord. We stand in faith, believing in you, and we praise you right now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. The hope of bless you for listening to this message. Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb is the senior pastor of Agape House New Testament Church in East Lagon. If you are ever in Accra, we would like you to worship with us on Saturday night at 6 p.m. or on Sunday at 7.30, 9.30 or 11.30 a.m. You will have an awesome experience. We're here